Welcome to the Enter the Kingdom podcast, where our goal is to equip listeners with the tools they'll need to not only enter the kingdom of heaven here and now, but remain in the kingdom that Jesus ushered in 2,000 years ago. I'm your host, Harrison Watson, and in 2018, God called me out from the world for this purpose and many others. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. All right. Welcome to the third episode of the Enter the Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Watson. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Um, in the last episode, we went over um, the kind of the first steps to entering the kingdom. And, you know, that comes down to really the first line um, or the line that John the Baptist was talking about. Uh, it, it's actually in ver- it's uh, chapter 3, verse 2 in Matthew. Uh, it says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And actually, you'll see, you know, the first line in chapter 4, this is 4.17, Matthew 4.17, from Jesus is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this is a continuation of those two things, and I'm not going to go completely into it uh, again on this episode, but it's very important that we understand this kind of key fundamental uh, of repentance um, and what it really means. You know, Jesus goes on in the Beatitudes, to which is the next section, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, uh, in chapters 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew, to kind of explain what he means to his disciples and to us, um, you know, what it's like to live in the kingdom, and what kingdom people live like. And, you know, realistically... We could do an entire episode over each little subsection of each of these chapters as we're going through. And we, act, we actually may stay here for a bit, but um, for today, I kind of want to stay on the same path that we were on in the previous episode about repentance and then talk about something else that's, you know, I don't know if controversial is the right way to say it, but something that it's kind of a misconception among Christians. You know, we hear the fact, we often hear people say that nobody's perfect and nobody can be perfect. Only God is perfect. There's some truth to that, but I also disagree with the premise that we cannot reach out for the pursuit of perfection. And the reason why actually comes in the very last verse of chapter five, the first, uh, the first chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's uh, Matthew 5, verse 48. And this is after Jesus is literally, you know, getting through the first stanza in this specific section where verse 48 kind of closes it off. He talks about loving your uh, enemies. And, you know, in that, he's saying... Don't do like everybody else does. Don't just love the people who love you back, but love even those who don't love you. And then he finishes that section with this verse, verse 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, this is a command. And I don't know about you, but I don't believe that Jesus would ever give us a command that wasn't attainable, that he didn't believe that we could do. We certainly know that, according to the Bible, Jesus had all te- temptation that you and I get, but he had no sin. And yes, he's the Son of God. He was the first begotten of God. 
he's not meant to be the only one who is a son of God. Paul talks about this later. I believe it's in Romans where he says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I better look that verse up. Yeah, it's, it's Romans eight fourteen. He says, you know, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So Jesus is the son of God, right? He was the first begotten of God, born of a virgin. He was the one who created the way for us to become sons of God. And by sons, it means, you know, sons and daughters. It means children of God. And what is that way? It's to be led by the Spirit. And that's actually also, you know, Paul summarizes it in that one verse in Romans 8, 14. Jesus talks about it a couple of different places. He talks about it specifically in John. I, I've mentioned it before. John 5, 19 and John uh, 12, 49 through 50, I think. Yeah, that's right. And in those two places, Jesus talks about how he's, you know, he says, I'm going to just read it because I've got it on my phone because it's something that helps me to focus. Uh, I actually have it going off every three hours and I try and recite it to myself. I don't always get to it every three hours, but it's there. And it says, most assuredly, I say to you, this is John 519. The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees his father do for whatever he does. The son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Uh, that's actually five nineteen through 21 in John. And then let me read John twelve forty nine through 50. You know, Jesus in the previous one is saying, I'd, I haven't done anything that my Father didn't show me to do, doesn't show me to do. How, how does he do that? By the Holy Spirit, the, the spirit that he received in the baptism that we talked about at the baptism that we talked about in the previous episode. And then he also says this, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the father has told me, so I speak. So Jesus is now saying, you know, in the first part, he's saying, I don't do anything that God hasn't shown me to do. And I don't say anything that God hasn't given me to say. That, that, that's what he's telling us. And there are some verses in the Old Testament, specifically as it relates to the Sabbath, where he says, you know, on my Sabbath day, if you will not use your own words or do, do your own pleasure, then all these blessings will come after it. The Old Testament talks about it. Jesus tells us himself that, this is the way that it operates, that you walk by the Spirit in order to be in alignment with God, and that he himself even did this. And then Paul reiterates it later in Romans 8.14, as I said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And that also ties back to our verse here in Matthew 5.48. Uh, 5, Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So how do I mean that? You know, people say it's impossible for a human to be perfect. That is 100% true and 100% misleading. Because it is true that a human being by their own power cannot be perfect. It, it would be impossible in our own power to live up to the perfection of God's demands. Not only his demands, but what we have been called to. Why is that? Because we're selfish. In our flesh, we're selfish. We choose to do things that are to our benefit and not to others. And Jesus spends the whole first part of Matthew 5 basically talking about how, yeah, that's not how you enter the kingdom. 
And so he, t- he, he ends it with Matthew 5:48 about being perfect. And Jesus tells us, Jesus is the one who we know is perfect. He was tempted just as we are, uh, just as we are tempted, but he had no sin. The Bible tells us that. And so how do we do it? We do it the same way that Jesus did it. We have to go through the same process of sanctification. You know, Jesus in, in Matthew 5 four, or Matthew 4 that we were talking about last time, we talked about the wilderness period. And that wilderness period is a time where, you know, Jesus has publicly declared his faith in God. And now God has taken him away from the world. You know, Jesus is in the world. He's living his normal life. And then he comes onto the scene to this baptism, his public declaration of faith in God and repentance. And then God immediately leads him away to be isolated. The spirit of God leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And Jesus overcomes this temptation through the word of God, through being led by the spirit as well. Now, there's a 40 day and 40 night fasting period as well. And I think we talked about this in the last episode as well. There's some significance to that. I won't go back into it in this episode because it's not totally relevant to now, but it is, it, it, it's cool and important. But as it relates to what we need to do in order to achieve perfection, we must submit our lives in the same way that Jesus submitted his. Number one, we are, we, we will have to go through a wilderness period. We have to go through a period of temptation and testing to be found out if what we have learned from God during our time in the wilderness, during our study with God, during our walk with God, if we're able to overcome the temptations associated with that. And once we've done that, then the full power of God in the same way, and the full power of the Holy Spirit in the same way, is available to us. Now, is God able to overcome some of those things? Sure. But it's not necessarily about whether God can overcome them. It's about whether he trusts you with that authority. You know, it's not a small thing to do the th- to, to, to give somebody the authority that God gave Jesus for the sacrifice of what he did. He needs to know that we're not going to operate in our own capacity. Why? Why did Satan get thrown out of heaven? Because he wanted some of God's glory for himself. Why were we sent out of the garden originally? We were sent out of it because we decided we wanted to choose for ourselves, and not walk the ways of God. So God can't give his powerful authority and the, the ability to use all of these, the fruits of the Spirit to a vessel that is not fully submitted. Do you understand? And in that... You know, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Now, many people use this to say, as a form of saying that Jesus and God are the same person in, 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 the, in the idea of the Holy Trinity. And there is a unity between the three of them. But I don't think, I think that it can get confusing when we start talking about that. Because what Jesus is really saying in this is like, because of the way, the way that I am submitted and that my desires are the same desires as God. The Holy Spirit has done this work. He has submitted, and he is now in his vessel walking as if he was God because he doesn't do things of his own fruition. 
He only does that which God gives him. He only speaks the words that which God that God gives him to speak. When we're submitted to that level, we've reached this level of perfection. Is that hard? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's real hard. You know, I do, I, I'm sitting here, and I've been going through this process for, you know, a few years. And I I haven't reached this. And, I, and when I say I've been going through this process for a few years, I mean I've been 100% focused on it for that amount of time. Why is that? Because there are still things inside of me that God is working out of me. You know, there are still tendencies that are from of old. Some of them are generational tendencies that God has to work out of us. You know, the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they could have gone directly into the promised land. But as the book of Exodus tells us, they didn't believe fully. And so they had to wait an entire generation. A whole generation died in the wilderness. It's possible for all of us to die in the wilderness. That isn't God's will for us. God's will is that we would do what Jesus did and fully submit and overcome these things and do as Matthew 5.48 talks about, which is becoming perfect just as our Heavenly Father is perfect. That type of submission God wants from us. And if we're willing to do this, then God can give us the authority to use his power. But if we're not in alignment with God, that if we don't have that oneness, there's always going to be a limitation. And I want to talk about this a little bit deeper because, number one, I want you to – you need to believe that it's true. For you, that Jesus – you know, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, he's talking about, yes – he, he is the way, the truth, and the life, but he also created the way, the truth, and the life, a blueprint for you to enter the kingdom in the same manner in which he did. Does that mean that you physically will need to go and die on a cross? Some may be called to, to something similar. Die on a cross, maybe not, but some may be called to some things that are similar to that. But not everybody will. What we need to do is die to our own flesh. Paul talks about this a lot as well. Jesus talks about, you know, his submission. We see it. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he didn't want to go to the cross. He was scared. Who wouldn't be scared? I'd be terrified. But he trusted God. He said, if this cup can pass from me, please let it pass, Father. Nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done. And we have to get to a place where we don't allow all of the things that we typically care about as human beings to interfere with the work of God. This includes not worrying about what our family thinks. You know, Jesus is sitting and he's doing his work. And one of his disciples comes in to say, hey, your mother and brothers are outside and they, and they want to talk to you. And he said, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? And I'm paraphrasing here. Are they not the ones who do the will of God? The ones that are sitting right in front of him? And so what Jesus means by this is both that, you know, he has communion with those who do the will of God. But he also is trying to tell us something that that has to be first and foremost over anything, over anything. And if it's not, we cannot enter the kingdom here and now.
You have to understand it's it's meant to be lived now. We're meant to get out of the wilderness period and into the kingdom, into the land of Canaan, back to the garden. All of these are, I, I hate to use this word, metaphors, because the kingdom is real. But these are metaphorical pictures and images of, of the kingdom to come. It, it, it both will be fully established here on earth, but is now as well. So it already is, but it isn't fully. And the reason for that is because there are other people around us who haven't chosen it. You understand? Even us, in the capacity in which we are denying God and denying our own submission to God and denying the will of God in our lives and choosing ourselves over choosing the things of God, we are saying no to the kingdom in that area. That doesn't mean that you can't be on a general trajectory towards the kingdom. But ultimately, if we want to be perfect, if we want communion with God, we have to walk in that way. The blood of Jesus does cleanse us from all sin and iniquity. The blood of Jesus covers us and gives us grace along this walk. There are no works that you can do to get you eternal life, but there are works that are required to show that you love God. There are works of faith, and it's meant to be lived now. So the question is, do we want to live the kingdom now? Now? I mean, like, could you just imagine if we had on planet Earth a hundred people who were living in this way with the full authority and power of God that Jesus expected us to have? You know, he says that whoever believes in him will not only do the works that he did, but even greater works because he's going to the Father. And what he means by that is exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about here. What he means by that is when he goes to the Father, he promises us that he will send his Holy Spirit down. And that Holy Spirit is, is supposed to you know, lead us into all truth, and that truth will set us free. But we have to submit to the truth. We have to submit to the understanding, and we have to submit to God's will. There is no other way, folks. There isn't one. Jesus created that way. And if we want to enter the kingdom, you know, he says, it's actually here, I'm going to go to number 7, uh, chapter 7 in Matthew 2. And he says, this is uh, Matthew 7, 21, uh, starting at verse 21, I'm going to read through there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's pretty harsh. You know, a lot of times I think that we can get the misconception that all we have to do is just mentally believe in Jesus. And somehow we're saved. That's not what that specific section, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, is telling us. It's telling us that we have to walk in a deep and intimate relationship with him so that he knows us. And how do you do that? You do that through communion with the Holy Spirit. The same, walking the same path that Jesus is walking, that Jesus walked and is still walking. He's trying to walk it with us. The question is, will we submit and do it? All of us need to spend time focusing on the internal work. Don't start thinking this is about external do X, Y, Z. This is actually about the internal work of allowing God to work with you to identify the areas 
that are not in alignment with him and allow him to show you the root of them and work with him and the Holy Spirit and the Bible to root out what those issues are. How do you, how do you do that? You do that through breaking down strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a false idea. Somewhere along the lines, all sin comes back to unbelief. Unbelief or ignorance, which is darkness. Shining light, which is the word of God, onto darkness helps you to overcome it. God can help you take back the ground. He can help you uproot the spiritual root of why you are, have these different tendencies. Because the sin that you see on the outside is it's merely a symptom of a deeper root issue. People say that we have a sin problem, and sure, we do. But we really have a root heart problem, and an unbelief problem is really what we have. And God will allow us to see these. When you see an external sin, something that you know just isn't, isn't right, and I don't, you know, that can be just being, you know, as the Bible says, being angry with your brother. Sit down next time and ask yourself questions about it. Why did this take place? What did it make me think? What did I think about or feel before that took place? Why is that? Why is it that I thought those things? And keep taking it further and further back and ask God to guide you in the word. This takes time, folks. It takes intimate time with God. It's not like you're just going to, he's just going to show you this, that you're going to shine the light. You shine the light and then you're going to be all, all fixed. Sometimes it does actually work that way, especially on some of the more surface issues. But some of these things are very deep rooted and it takes time to peel back the layers of the onion to get all the way there. This is the best type of therapy you will ever get. You need, you, you need to go to the source, the source of truth being the Bible. The source of creation, the source, the person who created you being God. He'll work out these things. Folks, he has grace for us because he knows the story. He knows things that you're dealing with now that actually are generational sin that you know nothing about why they started. That he can help you uproot and you can overcome that not just for you, but for the remainder of your family after you. You can break it off. Here's what my prayer is for today. A couple of things. Number one, that you understand that God has called you to be perfect. He hasn't called you to a perfection that comes of your own fruition, but he has called you to a perfection that he can lead you to through relationship with him. He has called you to submit, and he has called you to walk into the kingdom. If you will let him drive, if you will let the Holy Spirit lead your every thought, and action in life and work on the internal investigation that's required to root out some root things, some root causes of these external external sins that you see. If you'll do that work with God, he will lead you into the kingdom. And you will be able to you will never be in a situation if you're doing this with God on a regular basis where he's going to be where he's going to say I never knew you. That won't happen. 
And so my hope and my prayer is that you understand those things, that you take it seriously, and that you truly take the time to, to, to kind of put everything else aside, because there's there's not really anything that's more important than this. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about receiving the all, access to all of the promises of the Bible. That happens on this walk. When you truly put all of your real trust for your whole life and truly submit to God in relationship and walk with him, that's when these promises become available to you. And that's when you start to enter the kingdom with repentance, number one. And number two, starting to walk on this relationship with God towards the perfection that we're called to in Matthew 5:48. And so I just want to say that I love you. I thank you so much for joining today. And uh, I, I will see you next Monday. Um, and I'm not real sure where we're going to go. I, we're probably going to stick in the Beatitudes because we only got a chance to kind of brush over a couple of key topics. And there's a lot of great stuff in here. But um, until next time, thanks so much. God bless. Be well. Thanks for joining me on the Enter the Kingdom podcast. If today's message was an encouragement to you, please consider sharing it with someone else who you think it might encourage. Also, make sure to subscribe for free to our podcast and join us, God willing, every Monday as we continue on our journey together. God bless. We'll see you next time.